It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. You know, I had a, something happen to me. It's been several years ago. Uh, you can turn, to, if you will, to the book of James. We'll start where we left off last week. Several, it's been, Lord, probably maybe 15 or more, maybe 20 years ago. And I was uh, uh, cutting the grass in my yard, and uh, I saw somebody pull up and get out. They were standing at my gate, and so I went over there. And it was somebody that I knew, somebody that uh, uh, I had gone to church with in the past, and also uh, somebody that had been one of my students in Bible school when I used to teach Bible school. And they were actually in Bible school when I taught them 10 years before this happened. And so I could tell at the gate they were very excited, very, you know, uh, uh, you know, very bubbly in their heart and spirit, just very excited. And so I, I unlocked the gate, and the gentleman stepped in. He said, I want you to know that uh, today I was listening to some of your tapes. And back then it was tapes because uh, uh, when he went through Bible school, they would give him uh, uh, what do they call them? Cassette tapes, cassette tapes of the teaching. And he said, he said, when you taught all of that, I had no idea what you were talking about. He said, I was more confused when, when I left than I was when I came. He said, but I knew it was right. He said, somewhere down in my spirit, I knew it was right. So I just kept listening to it and listening to it and listening to it. He says, now, 10 years later, I just want to come and testify to you that I finally got it. I finally see it. I finally see it. Well, you know, it don't have to take 10 years. <laughs> one of the best things you can do when it comes to the teaching of the Word of God is to locate your resistance and, and, and make sure it's, it's, it's uh, not empowered against you. Take the power away from your resistance. A lot of times, and what we found out in, in, in teaching here in the United States, you don't see it near as much overseas as you do here in the United States. You've got to unteach people things before you teach them something. Because there's so much religious indoctrination into people's minds that, my goodness, I mean, they've been told God doesn't heal, God doesn't bless, God don't, you know, won't touch your finances, He won't do. I mean, yeah, you're told that over and over. Grandma was told that. Mama was told that. You've been told that. you got to just, you got to get in there and you got to disconnect the power of that in people's minds so that the power of the Word of God can work. And it's a, it's a tragedy in our nation, but, you know, thank God we've got the Word of God that'll do that. Amen. Now, we've been, we've been kind of looking at acting on faith, and so just to kind of refresh you, we know that according to Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and so the Word of God is a source of faith. primary way in which faith is released is through confession. And we may touch on confession a little more, especially when it comes to uh, confessing about uh, uh, your healing, because part of this school is, is, is uh, prayer, faith, and healing school, amen, and you need to maintain a strong uh, confession of faith over your physical body when you don't have any symptoms in your body so that when symptoms come to your body, you already have faith in you. You don't have to try to get faith. It's too late then. Amen. And then if you're fighting a physical fight in your, in your body right now, a confession of the Word of God, every time you speak the Word of God, you're speaking healing and life to your body. Every time you speak it, you know. So, so that's, that's the, the significance of confession. The Bible says, for with the heart... Man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And so a lot of people get real disturbed when it comes to the, uh, confession because we say things like, you know, don't include uh, death in your confessions. Don't include it in your, in your idle talk. Jesus said you'll be held accountable for every idle word you speak. So I don't go around saying things tickle me to death. 
Amen. I don't, I don't go around saying, that's sick, man, that's sick. I don't care, you know, if Generation Cupcake does that, you know, I don't do it. <laughs> Amen. I mean, that's just the way it is. I, I've learned to take all the death out of my vocabulary, my everyday speaking, and that'll help you in your life. Because you get the Word of God in you, then you go out of here and you talk like the world does. It'll just, cut, it'll just cut all the faith right out of your heart. Amen. But now we've come to the place where we're talking about a specific act of obedience. If you want to write that down, that's a good definition. A specific act of obedience in your life. Maybe for healing. Maybe for prosperity. It may be, I know in Lee and I's life, many specific acts of obedience were placed in our hands in order to respond to so that we could proceed uh, in the, in the, in the uh, calling of God. Well, that's really not a, a good phrase. So we can proceed in the, in the destiny of God that God has for us. Amen. Now, now let me say this because this makes people mad when they hear it, so not many people talk about it. The gospel goes out. That's the call. Let me know what I'm talking about. And those that are, those that are, uh, those that are uh, uh, respond to the gospel and come into the kingdom of God, uh, those are the called ones. Those are the saints of God. Now, out of the called ones and out of the saints of God, there are chosen ones. People say, aren't we all chosen? No, we're not all chosen. Actually, the Bible says very few are chosen. You say, well, who are the chosen ones? That's the ministry. Those are the ministry gifts into the church. And what's amazing about the ministry gifts into the church is if they don't walk in these precepts and principles, the church can't walk in them. They can't walk in them. So Lee and I have spent a lifetime living by faith in order to transmit that. Now, we can't transmit our faith, but we can teach you what we know, teach you what we learn. Amen? So when you begin to realize and recognize that it is important to hear not only from the voice of the Word of God and the, and the, and the Spirit of God, but also from voices of experience that have seen this thing work over and over and over and over again. Because, listen, you got to come to this reality. If it's not working in your life, there's a reason why. Now, let me say that again. If faith is not working in your life, there is a reason why, and God is not the reason why. And so all adjustments that Lee and I have ever had to make when it comes to faith, they've been self-adjustments. We've had to adjust things in our own character, adjust things in our own mind. We had to make a decision to obey God. We had to make a decision many times just to step out and believe God no matter what it looked like. Amen? Now, these things are relevant to acts of obedience of faith because when it comes to specific things of our life in which we're trying to make application of faith too, there comes a time, there comes a time in which you're going to have to let the rubber meet the road. And when the talking's done, so to speak, and you're going to have to act on what you believe. Now, those, listen, those times sometimes, they can be stressful. Uh, they can be, uh, uh, there can be times when those, uh, uh, those times are very, you know, you're thinking, man, what am I doing? And, and am I out of my mind? What am I doing? But it, you know, you'll know that it's God. You'll know that it's God speaking to you. I know there have been times when the Lord has spoke to us to, to give certain amounts of money, to give offerings away that we've received. And it was very intimidating because the Lord would never say it to us when we had lots of money and had a lot of, He would always say it to us when we had nothing. And we were thinking, Lord, what, you know, we've got to pay our bills with this. We've got, to, we've got to do this with that. We've got to do that. And the Lord would say, no, you've got to give it, you've got to give me, you've got to put it back in my hands. And that was an act of obedience on our part. And without exception, every time we did that, God would greatly bless us. You say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. That's, that's the problem. You tried it. 
You didn't go through all the different steps to get to the place where you could hear the voice of God to do what God said. You tried it because somebody else tried it and it didn't work. You tried it and it didn't work. Because you you got to be a doer of the Word, not a trier. Amen. That Bible calls people <coughs> that do that, excuse me, <coughs> double-minded. Now, let's, let's look here. Last week we looked at three verses in James chapter, uh, where was it? James chapter 2. We looked at three verses, verse 17, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. We looked at verse 20, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And then verse 26, it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So that means your works give life to your faith. Your works of obedience, your acts of obedience, give life to your faith and that's the type of faith that will produce in your life is living faith. Vain faith will not do it, and dead faith will not do it. Now, there's a ton of vain faith out there. Uh, you know, uh, 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 people talk about praying to these different saints. That's vain faith. People talk about praying to a, a statue. That's vain faith. I'm talking about Christianity. People talk about uh, using beads to get you to God. That's vain faith. And you know, uh, we, we can't, listen, we can't, we can't mock or make fun of any religion that does that because among the faith crowd, there's people that'll sell you a prayer shawl and tell you with that prayer shawl on, you'll get closer to God. That's vain faith. Let me tell you what it'll do. It'll take $1,000 out of your pocket and put it in their pocket. That's all it does. It doesn't get you any closer to God because it has a star of David on it and because some prophet prayed over it. All it is is a scheme to separate you from your money thinking you're doing something spiritual. Actually, the Apostle Paul, the term he used was dead works. For many years, people that taught on the Word of God thought dead works were sin. But in actuality, after you study the Word of God, you'll see that dead works are not sin. Dead works are things that you do that seem to have religious significance but have no basis in the Word of God. Amen? So whatever it is in your life that's vanity, you got to get it out. Say, so, well, you know, I still keep my beads. I mean, you know, I still I rub on <laughs> I don't get you nothing from God. I still, I still pray with my prayer shawl on. Well, you know, the only reason you should pray, pray with a prayer shawl on is to keep you warm. If you're cold. Amen. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, we've seen that kind of stuff come and go. I mean, I've even, I know of a, of a gentleman that was in the ministry, graduated from a particular faith Bible school, and, and was presented a ring uh, that he wore on his finger uh, for, uh, 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 for uh, graduation, and he felt like that there was a transfer of the anointing in that ring. And then one day he lost his ring. He had to figure that one out, Amen. I knew a guy one time that he wouldn't even take his hand out of his coat. He kept his hand, his right hand, and his, he said, my hand's so anointed, I can't shake hands with it. I can't do this with it. I can't do that with it. And all he was was a nut. He's not even in ministry today. I thought you ought to lay hands on yourself, buddy. That's just vanity is all that is. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to presumption and assumption, in acting on the Word of God, you have to be very careful. We made a statement the other day uh, that, that really, I think if you can get this in your spirit, it will really help you, and that is this. I think it's God. I think God's telling me to do this. He's not. Now, just, just dissect the phrase, I think it's God. Number one, you got I, that's self. 
Number two, you got think. That's your mind. And the Bible says it's enmity against God. So, you know, the end of it's good, God, but I think it's God is a pretty good indication it's not God. Because whenever God brings you to a point of obedience, it's because you have believed in your heart, you have confessed with your mouth, and He is speaking to you. Now, let me say this very plainly. I'm trying to keep some of you out of trouble. If you've not been meditating and believing in your heart, if you've not been confessing with your mouth that which you've been meditating and believing in your heart that comes right out of these scriptures, God will not speak to you to do something. So if you just go around, well, I think God's telling me to do this. I think God's telling you. He's not telling you to do that. He keeps you safe by keeping you, keeping you within the confines of His Word. I've seen so many people get into trouble by doing that. By just, well, yeah, many times it's, a, it's some supernatural, you know, some, some high, you know, emotional feeling. One gentleman, he was in one of my meetings, large crowd of people, probably three or 4,000 people in this meeting. He was sitting on the front row. And I noticed as I was watching him, as I was teaching, he wasn't there. He was totally disconnected, totally disconnected. And so later he came to me and said, during your meeting I had a vision. I had this vision. And I'm like, okay, you know, praise God. So he told me what it was, and this is what I said, because I knew in my spirit it wasn't God. And sometimes God will tell you things in your spirit that you're not supposed to tell other people. You're just supposed to pray for them. So I began to pray for this man. And he told me what it was, and I knew. So this is what I said. I went over to Acts 13. I said, can you take 30 days and pray and seek God and make sure this is God? Well, he couldn't do it. No, no, it's God, man. I felt it. I saw it. I did that. Well, he did it, and it destroyed him financially. And today, he's in heaven prematurely. You say, why? Because he made a mistake that he shouldn't have made. I mean, you can sit in a service and ever goose bump on your body can raise three feet tall. And you can see signs and wonders, and you can see visions of Jesus and angels and all that kind of stuff. But if you act on that, you're fixing to get yourself in a ton of trouble. Getting quiet in here. You say, what do you mean if I act on that? God has given us His Word that produces faith, and no matter what kind of dream or vision or supernatural experience you have, it is not designed by God for you to obey that. Amen. You say, well, what about all these people that have these dreams and visions? Many of them go right back to words. The ones that are successful that have had the dreams and visions in the body of Christ are the ones that have gone back to the Word of God and let the Word of God frame what they saw in the vision. They believed it in their heart. They confessed it with their mouth. Then God said, now act upon it. Because I'm telling you, if you want, that's, that's another point. I'll just say that. Thank you, Lord. Don't ever seek something supernatural. Don't pray for a dream. Don't pray for a vision. You say, why? I'm just, I want to see an angel. I want to see, I'm asking God everything. Your adversary will absolutely oblige you and fool you with a dream or a vision or some kind of aberration. He will do that because that is not within our covenant. I've known people that's done, you know, everybody knows who Kenneth Copeland is. Way back when he first started in ministry, he, he followed Brother Hagin around a lot. And Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen, had a lot of visions of the Lord. And, and of course, they all kind of, kind of, uh, kind of panned out as being true because he went back to the Word of God and framed them and walked them out over, over a lifetime, and they proved to be legitimate. So he was praying in his, in his immaturity of ministry, I want a vision like Brother Hagen got. 
I want a vision like Lester Summerall got. I want a vision like, or I want to see Jesus. And he said the Holy Ghost spoke to him in prayer one day. and said, all right, you keep it up. You'll get one, but it'll set your ministry back five years. So he said, I don't want no He told the Lord, I don't want no vision. Because God doesn't lead us through visions and dreams. Those, time, those things are to, are to inspire us, not to inform us. Can I get a better amen than that? So the, 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 the Scripture talking about here, acting on faith, go down to verse uh, 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Now notice this. When he offered Isaac his son upon the altar, seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the Scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Now, real quick, go to Romans 4. Romans 4, then we're going to go look at that incident in the Bible in Genesis 22. Romans 4. Oh, man. How's my time? Well, I'm already... Uh, look at... Start in verse 16. It says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace... To the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to that which is of the law, but also to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, he is the faith father of us all, which means the way Abraham operated in faith, not only to receive Isaac, but also to take Isaac upon that mountain, the way he did that was the proper way to operate in faith. So Abraham, for 25 years, must have been believing in his heart, believing in his heart, confessing with his mouth, amen, and waiting to hear from God about what to do. Are you with me? Now, notice what it says. The next scripture. As it is written. Now, notice what it says. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Now, notice this. It's past tense. The way God spoke it to him was past tense before it ever happened. Let me try that again. God spoke it to it. Now, let me, let me say this. The Lord gave me this in, in, in study and meditation this morning. The Lord said to me in, in my spirit, He said, Tell everybody that everything they ever need, healing, prosperity, breakthroughs, ministry, no matter what it is, their provision is already a reality to me, to God. It, it's already it's not, it's not a reality to us yet. It's a reality to Him. Amen? Uh, let, me, let, me, let me see if I can help you. How many in here baptized in the Holy Ghost? Speak with other tongues. That's just about everybody. Now, I mean, I could, I could walk around talking English. Or I could walk around talking tongues. And you wouldn't be edified. You wouldn't know what I was talking about. But if I talked in, if I talked in tongues, you would know that that was evidence that I was what? Baptized in the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? So there is evidence. The baptism in the Holy Ghost is a reality to me. Do you get that? It is a reality to me. You say, why? Because I have been baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I speak with other tongues. So the Spirit of God abiding in my spirit and empowering upon my spirit is a reality to me. Why? Because I speak in other tongues. Are you with me? Now, Jesus... How does Jesus, does Jesus abide in me through reality? No. He abides in our heart through faith. The Bible says that the love of God might be shed abroad in our heart by the, no, that's the wrong scripture. Uh, where is it? Oh, it's over in uh, Ephesians 3, the prayer in Ephesians, Ephesians 3. 
that we might know the love of Christ. That's, that's what? In us by faith. So in reality, everybody say in reality. Where's Jesus? In reality, where's Jesus? He's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. But in reality, where's God? He's in your spirit in the person of the Holy Ghost. In reality, how is Jesus gathered together with us? In the form of a message. He is the Word. So you got to see, God weaves these realities in and out through His Word to help us have an understanding by a faith. Listen, I don't need faith to speak in tongues anymore. You say, why? Well, it's a reality to me. Can I get a better amen? I don't need faith for this pulpit. It's a reality to me. I don't need faith for this carpet. It's these chairs. None of that. But I do for the new building. I need what? I need faith to help take from God what is a reality to Him and make it a reality to me. So that's going to take believing in my heart, confessing with my mouth, and waiting for God to speak to me on how to bring that reality that He holds in His heart into my heart. I'll leave it, that, leave it at that. Now notice, this, this will help you though. As it is written, now He said, Pastor, I made thee a father of many nations. See, God already sees that building built and filled. And He sees every other building we'll ever build. Come on, church. Now, as I've written, I made the before him whom he believed. Now, who is the him who believed? That's Abraham. Even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were. Did you get that? He does not call those things that aren't as though they are. He calls the things that be not. The reality that he holds in his heart for you, he calls those things that be not as though they are. See, I've given you a church building. See, I've blessed you financially. By his stripes you're healed. They're already realities to him. So he calls those things that be not what as though they, as though they are because they are to him. Because they are to him. So he gives us what? The spoken word which is the written reality of the provision of God for us. That's why faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Now notice. Who quickeneth the dead, calleth those things that be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become. What? The reality of God is what Abraham become. What did he eventually become? Exactly what God said. What did he eventually become? Exactly what God said. He became the father of many nations and the father of faith. Are you with me? Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Now, this just back, uh, bears it up. According to that which was spoken, so shall my seed be. Who being not weak in faith. So you can have faith, but it's weak. The same thing's true in your physical body. You can have a right arm, but it could be weak. You could have a left arm, but it could be weak. You could have a right leg, but it could be weak. You could have a left leg, but it could be weak. But the Bible says that Abraham was not weak in faith. Now, if you're weak in faith, then it behooves you to strengthen your faith. Amen? So that it, show, it shows us right here. It shows us right here. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, you got to see this principle. 
He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He was not weak. He, why? Because he staggered not at the promise. He didn't stagger at the promise. He didn't let his mind steal him from the promise. He didn't let the religious folk of the day steal him from the, uh, uh, keep him from the promise. Are you with me? Somehow, he kept that promise in his heart. He, 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 it was part of the treasure of who he was. Years went by, and it was still there. Now, let me, tell you, let me show you how, the, how he was able to do that. Years went by. Being not weak in faith, he considered not. There are some things you're just going to have to consider not. A lot of people only consider what is. They look at what they can't do and what they don't have. Instead of looking what they can do and what they do have. And as long as you only focus on what you can't do and what you don't have, you're never going to receive from God. But if you look at what you can do and what you do have, you're going to make it down that path of righteousness and the provision of God is going to be upon you everywhere you go. Amen? Now, he was strong in faith. Now, notice this. Why was he strong in faith? He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, Strong in faith. Now, here's a key right here you need to get. Well, pastor, I'm believing in my heart, and I'm confessing in my mouth, and I'm waiting for God to tell me what to do. What do I do in the meantime to make my faith live? You give glory to God. Your praise and your worship and all that you do to give glory to God is an act of faith waiting for instructions of obedience from the Father. Why do you think praise and worship is so important? Why do you think God puts such an emphasis on those that worship Him in spirit and in truth? It is because worshiping God, praising God in spirit and truth for that which is not the reality of your life yet that you receive by faith is an act of faith. Every time we thank God for that building, that building gets closer to us. I mean, it may be taking baby steps, but one day it'll start striding. And then another day it'll start running, and one day we'll be in it and we'll say, look what the Lord has done. You say, why? Because every offering we take, we do what? Give glory to God. A lot of people don't understand what we're doing. They had not figured it out yet. But what we're doing is acting in the faith that we have to keep our faith living and alive toward that which God said we needed to do. So every time I say, let's thank God for that building, some people go, here we go again. We ain't got no building. They ain't even got no pictures of it up there no more. They must, uh, I don't know, man. They, I don't see no building. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you one thing. I'll believe it when I see it. Well, that's, you'll just have to hang on for the ride then. But if I can get just a few people to actually, when I say, let's thank God for that new building, if I can get a few people that'll say, hallelujah, this is an act of faith, I'm going to thank God for that building, it'll happen just like the land. It'll be supernatural, it'll be a great testimony, and the provision of God will be released, because that's what, that's how it happens, that's how it works. Now, let's see it in operation. I, I, I got about 15 minutes, I want to get over to, go, go over to uh, Genesis 22, this is, this is the Story of it. The last verse there of Romans 4, he was fully persuaded. Everybody say, fully persuaded. That what God had promised, everybody say, what God had promised, he was also able to perform. So you've got to live in the promise because the promise has the power to fully persuade you. And anything you're fully persuaded of is going to be the reality of your life. 
Let me just say this. This might help some. Some of you are in the persuasion process right now, financially, physically, your marriage, your job, your home, your ministry, whatever it may be. You're in the persuasion process. You can either inhibit that or you can enhance that. You say, what do you mean by that? The full persuasion process requires living in the promise. And the enemy will do everything he can do to get you out of the promise, to get you into doubt, get you into unbelief, to, to look and see it's not working, it's not getting any better. But listen, if you'll make a decision to live in the promise, that persuasion process will take place and God will perform. And the reality that, that he holds in his heart for you will become the reality of your life. Amen? Now notice, Genesis 22 has many significant avenues of doctrine. Uh, we could talk about redemption. God looked for a man on the planet willing to get into a blood covenant with him that would give his only begotten son, his only firstborn begotten of him son on the planet in the human family. If he could find one man willing to do it, that would release him because of covenant rights to send his only begotten son to the earth. So he found a man like that in Abraham. Bible historians tell us more than likely he was a teenager. Isaac was a teenager between the ages of 14 and 17 years old. At this time, Abraham was well up in age, close to probably any, anywhere from 115 to 120 years old. He was an old guy, old man, but he's still full of faith, still full of God. Now, we're not going to look at the redemptive significance. We're going to look at the faith in action significance of this, acting on the Word of God, acting in faith. Now, notice verse, 20, uh, verse 1, And it came to pass after these things, God did tempt Abraham. Now, that's really, that's not a, I don't like the word tempt. A better word there would be the word proved. You say, why? God reserves the right to prove your faith. Amen? I mean, if you go in there, go into a car dealership, and you, 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 you tell them, I want to drive the latest model of whatever car you like, one that just came out. So they roll out this brand new car. Well, when you get into that car, you're not tempting that car. You're proving that car. You understand what I'm saying? You're, you're proving it. You're seeing the qualities of it, seeing how it's going to work, how it's going to operate. Amen? You want, you want something to give you confidence. So God knows He puts faith in you, so He wants to drive it around. He wants to prove it in you. He's already proved it in Himself through redemption. He did it through creation. He did it through redemption. Now, so he proves him. He said, Abraham, he said unto him, Behold, here I am. He said, Now listen to this. Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now, when you read that, a lot of people say, Why would he do that? Number one, when we get over into Leviticus, the law says don't give your children to Moloch. That means don't burn them up on the altar. So why in the world would Abraham even respond to anything like that? This is why the Bible says in the book of Galatians that God preached the gospel unto Abraham. So he knew exactly what was going on. He knew God needs somebody willing to offer their only son. And if it's Isaac, it's Isaac. Come on, church. I mean, God's not going to leave you in the dark. I heard somebody say this one time. He says, well, when, the way you preach faith, it just sounds like a great gamble or risk. It's not. It's always a sure thing if it's faith. If it's faith, it's always a sure thing. If there's any 
uh, 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 thing in you that intimidates you about acting in faith, don't do it. That is a risk. That is a gamble. But I'm telling you, there are times when you can be so strong in faith that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know faith has come. The reality of faith is there, and you know you're stepping out to do the will of God. You don't know how God's going to perform it. You just know He watches over His Word to perform it, and He's fixing to perform it in your case, in your life. So here He is. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son, offer him there for a burnt offering on the mount, which I shall tell thee of. Now notice, Abraham rose up early in the morning. He got busy doing what God said to do. He saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for a burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, everybody say the third day. There's so much relig- uh, a redemptive significance here. Literally, Golgotha is this Mount Moriah, where this sacrifice was to take place, where Abraham lifted the knife, was where Jesus was crucified. God knows what he's doing, and he knows what he's doing with you. He said, on the third day, Abraham uh, uh, lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham said to the young men, abide ye here with the ass. Now, here's the key. And I and the lad will go yonder and giving glory to God, giving glory to God. Romans chapter 4, Genesis 22. I and the lad will go yonder and worship. There it is right there. There it is right there. You say, what do you mean by that? He was considering the act of faith which he was fixing to perform, even the killing of his own son, an act of worship to God. I don't know. People go around and say, man, you don't know what God's told me to do. I'm, telling, I'm, so, I'm so distraught. I don't know that God's told me to do this. That, listen, God, if, if you're not perfectly thrilled, listen, You hear the resolve in his words. You see the resolve in his actions. He is is literally bent on obeying God no matter what it takes. Nobody's going to dissuade him. Nobody's going to persuade him something. Nobody, listen, nobody's going to tell him it's presumption or something. He knows his God and he knows the voice of his God. He knows his covenant and he knows the gospel, what God's going to do through the seed. And the Bible says he'd already received back in a type, Isaac, as if it were raised from the dead. He, listen, this is the kind of faith he had in God. He was strong in faith now. Took him 25 years to get there. He said, if I burn this kid up and there ain't nothing but bones and ashes, God will raise him up because God said, so shall my seed be. This is my seed right here. He'll put every molecule of him right back together. So notice, Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, laid it upon his Isaac, his son, and took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now listen to his response. This is how you know you're in faith. Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. Not only for his particular situation, but a lamb for redemption. So at the point in which all the pressure of acting in faith was upon him, he did not yield to the pressure. He leaned on the Word of God. Centuries later, one of his descendants wrote, What? Uh, My son, my daughter, uh, uh, how's it go? 
Lean not unto your own understanding and all your ways. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your, if he'd have leaned, not, if he'd have leaned to his own understanding, he'd never said that. Amen. But what did he do? He trusted in the Lord. He leaned not into his own understanding. He looked at that son, who obviously the boy had gone with him to sacrifice to the Lord before. And the son was like, hey, Dad, we've got the fire. We've got the knife. We've got the wood. We've got everything we need for the altar. What, where, where's the lamb? And he turned to that son with faith in his confession and said, son, God will provide himself a lamb. Now notice, this, this is the unique part. God will provide himself a lamb. So they went, both of them, together. And, it came to, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him, laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Out of heaven, out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. He said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, do not do that anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. So Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the steed of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to the day in the mountain of the Lord it shall be seen. Jehovah-Jireh, anybody know what that means? The Lord my provider. The Lord my provider. Now, there was an element to this in which God proved Abraham willing. Amen? There are times in your life in which God will work on your character and prove you willing. We're teaching on the heart on Sundays. you got to have a willing heart. You have to have an obedient. The Bible says the willing and obedient will eat the fat of the land. People, there's a lot of people just go through the motions. That will always catch up with you. Because you will always end up with a broken, bruised, or offended heart. We'll teach on offended heart on, on Sunday morning. And there's a lot of people that have worked in ministry for years and watched outwardly as people walked inwardly in faith and got offended. Alex, you'll, you'll know more about that on Sunday. You say, what do you mean by that? A lot of people are outward observers of the working of God and the working of the Spirit, but because it is not working in them. And let me just say this. It all works in you by choice. That's how it works. By your choice. So I don't like the preacher being blessed. I don't like that. I, I'll tell you they ought to be humble and poor. And well, and I, well you, too bad. I'm already ruined. You say, who ruined you? My heavenly father did. I found out there were some things he held in his heart as reality that he wanted me to have as reality. Amen? Now, instead of getting mad and getting upset, and saying, well, I don't think that's right or fair. You've got to look at it for what it produces and make a decision. That's what I want. I want to walk in that same kind of faith. Because God gives us examples of faith. I watched Brother Hagan. I watched Brother and Sister Goodwin. I watched Brother Osteen. I watched Oral Roberts. I watched these men of God walk in this faith right here and saw what it produces. And I ain't seen nobody else on the planet walking in anything else that produces like this does. Well, I know a church over there, and they got millions of dollars, and they don't believe that. Well, let me tell you something. They're either stealing it, they're scamming it, or they got the devil involved in what they're doing. Amen? I watched a church when I was in the Philippines. Manifested sons of God. Massive church down in Mindanao. I mean, they had 
thousands of people. It showed the parking lot full of Mercedes and Lexus and all this stuff. They had churches in San Diego. They had churches in, in, in Thailand, all over the place. Huge, massive. But, 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 but they're a cult. They're of the devil. You say, why? Because there's one guy that calls himself the manifested son of God. I'm the manifested son of God. you got to follow me. I'm the manifested son of God. He's a nut. But see, deception will always, because see, the world system is built on all of that, and the devil always loves to support that. So he'll make sure that kind of junk succeeds, but he'll fight you tooth and nail just to believe God to pay a $100 light bill. You say, why is that? Because he that $100 light bill. The glory of God is revealed, and you've pulled something out of the heart of God into your own heart. And he knows once you do that, you're hooked. You pay a $100 light bill this year, five years from now, you'll be paying a million dollars for a new home. That's what, that's what the devil knows. That's why he will fight you tooth and nail. Amen? So here's Abraham. Now, here, let me close with this. My time's up. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Now, that ram did not materialize there. You know, like, a, uh, who was it, uh, on Star Trek. You know, they didn't just beam a lamb down from heaven. So we're gonna keep the, no, that lamb wandered around in the wilderness. And out in the wilderness, it was subject to everything wrong in the wilderness. That, that means drought could have killed it. That means a flood could have killed it. That means predators could have killed it. That means uh, all kinds of stuff. A lion could have ate it, a titan, whatever it was that was, that was the enemy of a ram could have got this ram. Except God saw in the future that that ram was a needed provision for his man. So he kept his hand on that ram. He would not let the drought kill it. He made sure it found water. He would, he would not let the flood kill it. He made sure he found high ground. He would hide it from the predators. He did everything he did. And finally one day, that ram started walking toward that mountain as Abraham went to that mountain. As Abraham got on one side, the ram got on one side. As Abraham went up, the ram went up. As Abraham obeyed God, God opened his eyes to see the ram caught in the thicket. His provision. There it is right there. In every incident in life like that, that's exactly what God does. There may be things that God is speaking to you about believing Him for that don't even exist yet. You say, what do you mean by that? It may be a house. Our building does not even exist yet, but God has us what? Believing Him for it. The house you want, the car you drive, and all these material things that God wants to give to you because he holds them as reality in his heart and wants them to make reality wants them to make them a reality in your life all of it brings him glory all of it is part of the story of how faith works and how all these things operate and the problem is it's so simple it's so easy to flow and to walk in we're the ones that complicate it so just simply get in the word Believe in your heart. Speak with your mouth. Glorify God. That's your act of faith right there. Worship. Glorify God. Thank Him for it. Worship. Glorify God. Thank Him for it. And then tell God, God will tell you, now just do this. Boom. And you'll step out. And next thing you know, the full provision of what God has for you is released into your life. It's not some great mystery. It's all through the Word of God. David's sword when he, when he defeated Goliath. It was there as provision for him. Perfect sword for chopping off a giant's head is what? A giant sword, not a shepherd's knife. Amen. 
all down through the Word of God till the real provision was released, which was Jesus. That's why it takes faith to get born again. Because we live in that dispensation in which faith pleases God. Amen? You learned something today? Lift up your hands and thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.